The big news of the week is former President Donald Trump did something illegal. Nah, that's not it. He's getting arrested. Sometime? On charges of some kind? Nobody seems to know exactly what. Something to do with paying a person who had sex for a living, not to say that she also had sex with Trump when he was a presidential candidate? Question mark. Trump is the first president ever to be charged with a crime out of office. Is this good for the republic? Is it showing that no one's above the law? Or selective prosecution for political points? Ask someone else. What we're going to talk about is how this is a story of New Yorkers acting very much like New Yorkers. Welcome to the Compass of Power. I'm Adam Wilson, and I like to put the place in politics. New Yorkers are known for talking a lot. At a level 10, all the press, all the media is headquartered in New York City. Seriously, like uh, most of the publishing houses, most of the television stations, most of the news apparatus. The only exception would be the movies, which are located in Hollywood, which is really an offshoot of New York founded by people who've moved from New York to Hollywood to make movies. And this place, starting with the island of Manhattan, is where freedom of speech originated as an American right. Now, some people say that actions speak louder than words, to which I say New Yorkers also act at a level 10. New York City is a hotbox of world-making fortunes, desperate poverty, Byzantine government, ethnic politics, and winner-take-all everything. Let's talk about the president. You know him. He's from Manhattan. He was the president, Donald Trump. Let's talk about the prosecutor. That's Alvin Bragg. Now, he is a self-described son of Harlem. He is Harvard-educated. He's a former assistant New York State Attorney General. He's a former, former assistant U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York. His official biography highlights a six-count indictment against Trump ally Steve Bannon for fraud and convictions of tax evasion of Trump Organization Chief Financial Officer Alan Weisselberg. Bragg was elected Manhattan District Attorney in 2021, the first black person in the role. Now, he does have critics outside of Trump. Uh, the New York City Police Commissioner uh, Keechan Sewell criticized a 2022 Bragg memo instructing prosecutors to avoid seeking prison time for all but the most serious crimes. And remember that New York City had a uh, uptick in crime during the pandemic, which helped usher in new New York City Mayor Eric Adams on a tough-on-crime agenda. The same year, 2022, Bragg did charge a Hispanic 62-year-old bodega worker with second-degree murder for fatally stabbing the black man who was attacking him. Bragg dropped the charges after an outcry, but it's again an insight to how the racial-ethnic politics of New York are far more complex than you might find in the rest of the United States. And while Bragg may be grabbing the headlines now, before him there was Letitia James. 
She was born in Brooklyn. She was on the New York City Council. She was elected in 2018 as the New York Attorney General, the first black woman in that role. And she had a very similar profile when she came to power. Here's a headline from CNN in 2019. The new year brings a new foe for President Donald Trump, New York's newly sworn in Attorney General Letitia James. You see, she campaigned on promises to investigate Trump and his business dealings. She advocated for the state assembly in its first 100 days to include legislation that would allow her to pursue state charges for anyone the president pardoned of federal crimes. But she ended up being more famous for her work in 2020. That's when she sued the National Rifle Association, seeking to dissolve the gun rights advocacy group and accusing its top executives of, quote, years of illegal self-dealings. At the time, she also said no one's above the law. And that, you know, from my perspective, was more or less the end of the NRA. They used to be one of the most potent forces in the United States, but they had a lot of internal problems. They were not dealing with the school shooting crisis very well. And then Letitia James seems to have put a stake in their heart because they just aren't the force they once were. The point is that what we have here are two New York-born attorneys who have made careers for themselves going after high-profile political targets on the right, which obviously is not going to be much of a problem for them in their home state of New York. New York City itself is super liberal, so there's nothing to be lost for going after conservatives. While, as we talked a little bit with that example with Bragg, it, there is some danger of getting embroiled in the local city politics, which are multifaceted. Now, and these two are not the first kind of wild New York lawyers that we know of. Just running around right now, we have Rudy Giuliani, former mayor, now like Bannon, on the poo-poo list of certain prosecutors for his role with Trump. There's also my favorite press secretary of all time, Anthony Scaramucci. Oh man, he was great. What about Michael Bloomberg? He's known for being super rich and having opinions on things. But those are just the tip of the iceberg. I always say that you know how we got where we are when you look at the history. And really, places don't change that much. And because the places don't change that much, the characters coming out of them seem more or less consistent over time. Here's just a few figures from New York City knowing, known for doing the outlandish as much as saying the outlandish. William Boss Tweed. He is the archetypal uh, political machine boss. He was born on the Lower East Side of Manhattan as the son of a chairmaker. He wasn't Irish himself, but he worked for the Irish vote by giving Irish voters jobs, food, rent, all of that. And in exchange, they supported him. Tweed was elected to the United States House of Representatives in 1852, the New York City, uh, the New York County Board of Com Supervisors in 1858. He was elected to the New York State Senate in 1867. And by then, he was head of the Tammany Hall machine. Tammany Hall was a longstanding political organization, and Boss Tweed became the avatar of this incredibly successful machine that united uh, poor voters with people who were working inside the city apparatus to hand out jobs, to uh, build things, to enrich themselves, to rig votes, all of it. And it mostly happened not through elected positions, but through the many boards and commissions that New York City runs itself on. And side note, we're not going to get into it right now, but there's been a long-standing dispute in New York City over who runs New York City. Should it be the city itself, which has a long history of um, inventive and creative 
governance, since it was founded by the Dutch, and the state, which is has long since been run by the English Puritan style of folks that moved over from Massachusetts. So we'll leave that there. The point is, Boss Tweed found himself in control of both the state apparatus and the city apparatus. And at the height of his power, he was the third largest landowner in New York City, a director of the Erie Railroad, a director of the 10th National Bank, a director of the New York Printing Company, the proprietor of the Metropolitan Hotel, a board member of the Harlem Gas Light Company, a board member of the 3rd Avenue Railroad Company, a board member of the Brooklyn Bridge Company, and president of the Guardian Savings Bank. This was all rolling along fine, and he did a lot of public works projects, handed out a lot of money and a lot of favors to his friends in the Bowery. But city elites unified against him when it became unclear whether the city could pay the debt it had run up with all his fabulous public works projects. Tweed was arrested. Then he was reelected to the state senate. Then he was tried, and they got no verdict, so they tried him again, after which they sent him to prison. He was released, and then they charged him again. And then he escaped to Spain, where he was captured. And he ultimately died in the Ludlow Street Jail. How's that for a New York City life? One of my all-time favorite American characters got to be Teddy Roosevelt, born in Manhattan. Went to Harvard, just like Bragg. He was in the New York State Legislature. He was Assistant Secretary of the Navy. He fought in the Spanish-American War. He was the Vice President. And then he became President at 42, making him, to this day, the youngest President ever. He was known for the square deal. He was known for trust busting. He was known for creating lots of national parks and national forests. He brokered the end of the Russian-Japanese War. And importantly for today's context, he and then New York Republican Party boss William Barnes squared off in a courtroom over a libel charge. Roosevelt released a statement to the newspapers accusing Barnes and his Democratic Party counterpart, Charles Murphy, of collaborating in an invisible government built on, quote, an alliance between crooked business and crooked politics, end quote. Now, look, generally speaking, you are not supposed to testify at your own trial. And this seems a little dicey because you're accusing both parties of graft and corruption. Teddy Roosevelt testified in the courtroom for more than 38 hours total, and afterwards he said he enjoyed it. It was great. What a good time. I mean, that's true New Yorker. Here's another one. Does this ring a bell? Fiorello LaGuardia. He was born in Greenwich Village, son of Italian immigrants. He fought in World War I. He was on the New York City Board of Aldermen. He was a member of Congress, and he was New York City mayor from 1934 to 1945 as a Republican like Rudy Giuliani. Now, LaGuardia was credited with disabling Tammany Hall. Now, he got into office by uniting New York City ethnicities against Tammany. Uh, He got Democratic reformers, Italians, Republicans, Germans, all sorts of folks that were kind of outside the sort of fossilized and ossified uh, Irish-based, with a lot of Germans too, but just Tammany had gotten a little old and... LaGuardia was able to unite the people who were on the outside of Tammany looking in at all those jobs. And he didn't just end patronage in jobs in the city. He supported the Federal New Deal, which was spearheaded by New York, uh, former New York Governor Franklin D. Roosevelt. But here's the thing about the New Deal that uh, LaGuardia liked. It had the federal government give out the same benefits that Tammany had been giving out. 
Things like food and jobs now came straight out of Uncle Sam and no longer out of the Tammany Tiger, and that had a huge effect on disabling the power of the political machine in New York. And, like current Mayor Eric Adams, LaGuardia was tough on crime, especially fellow Italian-Americans. Gangsters like Lucky Luciano were enemy number one, Fiorello LaGuardia. He supported the League of Nations, which became the United Nations, now headquartered in New York. He was against the prohibition of alcohol and generally considered one of the greatest mayors in U.S. history. My point is that Alvin Bragg, who is the first prosecutor ever to charge a former president with a crime, he's in this crowd. He wants to be part of history. So does Letitia James. So does Rudy Giuliani. So does Trump. They all want to be part of history. And that's true, American history. But first, they are part of New York City history. It's a history in which people seem obsessed with doing what we we just don't do. That's what they do. And it's kind of fun when you think about it that way to step back and watch them do their thing. Because none of us are going to do it. All right. That's all I have for you today. Because, you know, I'm running a bit behind this week. I have a lot of kids and there is spring break coming up next week. So I will not be here next week. I do appreciate everybody listening. I'll be back after that. We'll take some deep dives. There's so much to talk about going on right now. It's actually hard for me to get my head around uh, so much stuff happening at the state level, but we'll get there. I appreciate you listening. Check out the other shows. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Emmett O'Connell last week. Cause I really did. And uh, maybe we should do more of that interview format. All right. Be good. Enjoy spring break. Oh, by the way, in Miami, they've basically banned spring break. I don't know if you track Florida, but Florida has had enough of you coming there for spring break. So stay out. All right. Out.